The Hornets split the weekend. We take a look at the bad and the ugly. And plus, we take a look at Doug Branson's notebook all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail. You can find me on WFNZ 12 to 3 with Wes and Walker. That's Doug Branson. You can get more of his Hornets thoughts on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And we'll be taking a look at that Substack in just a moment going into the second segment. But we got to take a look at... Some good and some bad here, Doug, because we did get the win against Washington the third time around Mm -hmm. for the Charlotte Hornets, but they did not get the victory against Milwaukee. And normally you would think they're not going to get a win against the Bucs. Maybe you still felt that way, but they didn't have Giannis in this game. They didn't have Chris Middleton in this game. So you thought maybe there was a shot the Hornets could win. The starters did not step up in that one. They did step up against Washington. So if we were to look at the positive with Washington – I thought P.J. Washington was very good. (laughs) Very different from his performance against Milwaukee. Um, 0 of 13 from the field Mm -hmm. against the Bucs. But at least the starters showed up. So let's let's go with the good, right? Let's let's start with the positive and then maybe trickle into the badness that was the Milwaukee performance from P.J. Washington. I I did think the starters, Terry Rozier, P.J., Mason Plumlee, Went seven of nine from the free throw line. Pretty big performance from him at the charity stripe when they only win by one point. So the starters, they finally stepped up and they did so against the Wizards. Yeah, for sure. I mean, three-point shooting was the story against uh, the Wizards. They were knocking them down, including P.J., who was pulling up confidently uh, and and hitting three-point shots. And that's been the story all season. I mean, their offense has lagged behind everyone else. They're dead last in effective field goal percentage. Uh, and so much of that is because they can't shoot threes at the rate that they were last season. And over the past couple of games, you've seen even the three-point attempts start to drop off as they recognize that shooting if you're not making a lot of threes, that shooting a lot of threes is going to harm your ability to actually defend as well. And so they've been putting their head down. Players like Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre have been trying to get to the rim. Uh, but it also hasn't led to free throw attempts. This uh, Hornets team also lagging behind in free throw attempt rate, and it's all meant um, bad offense. But we got a reprieve from that against Washington, where they mm-hmm. were absolutely stellar, and then unfortunately it all came back against Milwaukee. And and as you said, it, if you could define it in one player, if you could define what has happened with the Hornets this season in one player, it probably would be P.J. Washington and his inconsistencies. I've got a little graphy graph to show you if you'd like mm. to see it. From cleaningtheglass.com. This is PJ Washington's trend line. And don't worry, listeners, I will um, guide you through this as well. But on the cleaning the glass trend line for effective field goal percentage for PJ Washington, it is all up and down. I mean, it's just one game up, next game down, one game up, next game down. And the downs are way lower than, than the ups on the effective field goal percentage. And it's a lot of games spent below 30% effective field goal percentage and it it means all in total that he is generally well below the position average 
uh, which he's rated as a big on cleaning the glass. But even if he was rated a forward, he would still be below the position average on the season. And then um, I don't know if you can see this dot way, 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 way down the graph in the lower right-hand corner, but that dot represents the 0 of 13 performance against Milwaukee. It was devastating. Oh, I mean, when, when PJ went 0 of 13, I think we had a game like that against Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken, where maybe he went like 0 of 11, 0 of 12, maybe 1 of 12, something like that. So PJ is not completely foreign to the awful of most awful games. That does have such a big factor on your overall season average. And so PJ going 0 of 13, it really help, or it really hurts him. Um, and Doug, it's the two-point shots, right? Like we saw this mm -hmm. in the second season. PJ could not finish down low. He shot 48% from two-point range in his sophomore campaign. That goes all the way up to, if you round up, 61% inside the three-point arc last year. 47 overall, 37 from three-point range. And now it's right back down to even a tick below what he shot his second season in the NBA. So the fact that he's shooting that poorly from two-point percentage and still having and still giving you a career low and three-point percentage, you know, that that is what you're getting from an inefficient PJ. It's because he's taking five more shot attempts per game this year than he was last. You know, he is experimenting with the step backs, with the, you know, dribbling and then walking right into a three, with trying to drive more, right? But, you know, the the expanded responsibility for PJ is hurting the efficiency. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Well, and he just doesn't have the touch near the rim. I mean, that's that's really the thing. The step backs, the things that he's been taking from the mid-range have, have generally been okay. Uh, you know, in that game against Washington and in the game against Milwaukee, the shots that he's missing at a high rate are the ones in between the nail and the rim. It's when he's going for these floaters and he just doesn't have the touch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it has been inconsistent. Uh, in fact, five of the six shots that he hit against Washington when he had a decent offensive game, yeah. all of those were all of those were three-point shots. Only one of them very close to the rim. Tough uh, finish, one, too. I believe went yeah. to the free throw line on his tough finish. It was a really – it was great. But, of course, yeah, the, the other shots that he missed, mostly from inside the three-point arc. And, and uh, you know, look, I mean, how much of this is the injuries that have piled up on the Hornets forcing him – into a role that maybe he wasn't comfortable with, probably taking a few more shots every game than than was expected of him at the beginning of the season, how much of that is having an impact. But here's the thing. I think it's revealing that the Hornets were probably smart to wait on a on a contract for him instead of, you know, giving into his demands for an extension. Uh, that that were you know somewhere in the twenty million dollar a year range. I, I think this is revealing that the more responsibility you give him offensively, it doesn't necessarily equate to more efficiency, and that's that's troubling if you're going to invest that much money into a player. Yeah, I mean, once guys come back, I expect that to go right back up where it was last year. His efficiency because last year it was good, and and defensively, of course, PJ was good. So you're hoping to see that form again. But they just continue to miss so many guys. They still have a lot of players listed as out for these contests. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But still plenty of other things to take note of, especially when we go to Doug's notebook. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Doug will tell us some things he thought about Nick Richards, Terry Rozier, Bryce McGowan's actually getting some run in these two games. We'll get to that in just a moment. But this episode is brought to you by Turo. 
Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion. And you can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. And you can test drive that new electric. I'm, I'm struggling. Oh, boy. I'm oh struggling. boy. What was uh, what's going on there? <laughs> Were you, are you underwater? Did you take a dive uh, into a pool there? I am. I am underwater and this podcast is going to suffer because of it, damn it. But I'm doing it because it's locked on Hornets. You can test drive that new electric vehicle above water. You've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Terms and conditions, the exclusions, they apply as well. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. More Walker struggling coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. This amazing photo of Mitch Kupchak standing next to Steve Clifford. In, in what looks like a, 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 I think if you if you typed into one of those AI image generators, shotgun wedding, uh, this is the picture that would come <laughs> up because Steve Clifford looks yeah, absolutely so good. shocked. There's not a background underrated part of this. It's right. just a blank white screen, so you're not having any Hornets graphics. You don't even have the courtesy to There's bring blank, in what blank white do. faces too. Yeah, blank white I, faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, we're going to try to do this again. Thanks for making Locked on Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked on Sports from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on Sports and Locked on can provide. Locked on sports today. So now I just messed up. But anyways, let's go to Doug's uh, notebook. It's it's a real struggle. I apologize to everyone. Tried to give it a go this morning. Not feeling fantastic. My voice, <coughs> it's running out. But now that's Doug. I'm going to blame, you know, we me. should just blame it on the internet connection. You know, that's yeah. it. That's, that's what it is. It's buffer. Your voice is buffering at this point. We'll uh, the Hornets you. offense was buffering against Milwaukee. And I mean, I think Perfect. a lot of people who... Either maybe they watch the game and they don't understand, especially after the Hornets score 117 points to win against Washington. Yes, Washington did come back in that fourth quarter because of rebounding issues that have plagued the Hornets all season long uh, and some defensive issues as well. I mean, uh, you know, uh, but luckily they got the the steal from Kelly Oubre to seal that uh, win against Washington, the steal on Beal to seal the deal from Kelly Oubre. But uh, rebounding issues playing in there against Milwaukee – you know, I thought, okay, no Giannis, no Middleton, no Holiday. This is like a perfect opportunity for the Charlotte Hornets to pick up a win in, in a in a series of games now where they have – the offense hasn't been clicking necessarily, but they have been picking up a few wins, starting to get into a groove, and they couldn't do it against Milwaukee because Milwaukee was disciplined defensively. They were what Washington was not through three quarters of that game. They were locking down the paint – saying, you know, you're not going to get by us one-on-one. doesn't matter if Giannis is out to guard the rim. We're going to protect it one-on-one. You saw Kelly Oubre. You saw P.J. Washington. You saw Terry Rozier trying to get by their guy one-on-one, and it just wasn't working because Milwaukee was focused defensively. Look, those are, you know, even though it was uh, the, the Bucks' backups, you know, that's it's a championship team, right? I mean, a lot of championship experience, a lot of playoff experience, and I think some of those reserves leaned on that and tried to play it like a playoff game, and uh, at least defensively, and they come away with the win. It was impressive to watch Milwaukee play defense. 
Well, I mean, and they had the best defensive player on the court with Brooke Lopez being out there. So six blocks from Brooke Lopez in that game against Milwaukee, 14 points. And then Splash Mountain showed why he Splash Mountain with three five, uh, three of five from the three-point arc. So, yeah, Brooke Lopez, he was the best guy. When you have that type of anchor, your defense is going to outperform the opposing defense, especially when you, you are, you're also without a lot of bodies. And Mason Plumley and Nick Richards are some of the bigs there. What are some other things in the notebook you got? Well, I just think the book is out on the Hornets' offense, right? I mean, without so many of their top guys, you know, Milwaukee clearly understood, hey, we cut the paint off at all costs. The Hornets don't have any bigs that can shoot. I mean, the, ver- the the lack of offensive versatility at the center position, we've been screaming about this for years now. But in this game in particular, I thought, you know, not being able to play five out really hurt the Hornets' opportunity to get shots when they were cutting off the paint or get good looks when they were cutting off the paint. And, and Clifford doesn't have a desire, probably doesn't have the personnel to really consider going small to try to counteract that and and the you know they can't rebound when they're big right I mean they can't rebound when they've got a traditional lineup out there so it would probably be a nightmare to try to finish possessions defensively if they were to put PJ at the center position but there's not even any kind of experimentation going on right now and that's probably because you're down four or five rotation players every game what did you think of uh, Terry Rozier's performance this weekend? Because I, I thought he did a lot of good things against Washington. And then even against Milwaukee, his shooting performance overall was better, but not from three-point range where he missed six again, one of seven. I thought there was some creativity from when inside the three-point arc. What would you make of Terry? Well, I think Terry, you know, it's interesting. He's getting this, like, clutch three in the middle of the fourth quarter going. It's, it's kind of a, a thing that has happened this season. He hasn't been... The, the scariest of Terry, he's been more Scarold Terry than Scary Terry. That's my new name for him, Scarold Terry Scarold. instead of Scary. Right. Yeah, scare, like Harold Terry. It's Scarold right. Terry instead of Scary Terry. But in the middle of the fourth quarter, he can be counted on for a big three-pointer that stay, it staved off that Washington run. Without that three-pointer that Terry hit at about the four-minute mark in the fourth quarter, it looked like Washington was just going to take it all the way and, and completely eviscerate what was, at one point, mm. a 20-point lead deep into the a third quarter. Eric but instead, Collins loved it, too, for sure. Yeah, it was amazing. And so, you know, at least we're getting a little bit of Scary Terry back, but it didn't show up against Milwaukee. He had a couple of opportunities. He wasn't the only one that missed shots in that fourth quarter, but they couldn't get they just couldn't get enough to to make a run and and honestly like that's the most disappointing thing about the Milwaukee game was that it, it wasn't that they didn't win. Because they weren't even with all of those players out. I don't think Vegas had them uh, had the Hornets as the favorite even at home. Uh, which I think should tell you a lot about where the Hornets organization is right now with with missing all of those players. They weren't even favored. So had they lost, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't have been like super surprised even without all those players out. But what disappointed me, and I, I think I was a little bit more disappointed than Steve Clifford after the game, who seemed more resigned to the fact that they lost. I was disappointed because they didn't even really contend for a lead. Like if they had gotten a lead at some point in the third or fourth quarter and and then given it up, I would have been like, okay, you know, injuries. But in this one, I'm like, man, you can't even muster up enough offense to even compete with what is essentially, um, you know, the, the reserve team for the Milwaukee Bucks. Just super, yeah, I was, I was super bummed about it. 
Yeah. Uh, and by the way, just a big discrepancy between the two games that you see. How about only four turnovers for Charlotte against Washington? That was huge in a one point game. And then you had 14 against Milwaukee. What, well, and, and, you know, 14 is like not a terrible number. They not probably awful. No, it's not. They probably want it somewhere around 11 or 12 per game. So, and and the thing was, look at Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee, what did they finish with turnover-wise? I know they were giving it up a ton in this game. Yeah, they had 21 turnovers right. in this game. That just goes back to my point, Walker. How could they not possibly get back into this game? And and the answer is you shoot 39% from the field. You shoot 21% from three, five of 24. And they were stuck on three three-pointers made I think through most of the third quarter. I think they finally hit their fourth one sometime deep in the fourth quarter. Kelly Oubre, one of five. Terry Rozier, one of seven. Although, shout out to Kelly getting to the line. 11 of 12 from the line. But they're having to do these things to make up for the fact that they can't hit three-point shots. I was doing this uh, thing on playback.tv where I was kind of commentating on the game. A few people showed up for the Washington one. I've been kind of tech-testing it to see um, if it's something we want to do in the future. But during that, someone was complaining about the the defensive effort in the first half against Washington. And I'm like, yes, but they're hitting three-point shots, which is what I've been saying all season. When you hit your threes, it covers up so many sins. The, the oh, fact yeah. is the Hornets have been sinning, and they just haven't been hitting three-point shots. And that's why they've been losing these games. Um, just the PJ Washington box score is a thing to behold, not only for the O of 13 performance against Milwaukee, but how about three blocks, three steals, five assists, eight rebounds for PJ. But then you see the O of 13. Well, well, let me say something. Let me say something, because I saw a few people on Twitter who were like, okay, if you're going to mention the O of 13, uh, then you have to mention the three blocks and the three steals and the five assists and the eight rebounds. Um, no, I don't because they lost this game. They lost this game by nine, and they were never in contention. And you know why? Because they weren't hitting shots. That's the name of the game. One of my favorite uh, quotes of all go. time is by Roy Williams, uh, former coach of my UNC Tar Heels, who said, hey, this game is pretty simple. you got to put the ball in the darn hoop. I mean, that's it. Like, you can't you can't go 0 of 13. I'm sorry. I appreciate the three blocks. I appreciate the three steals, the five assists, the eight rebounds. But none of those helped you get a lead. Yeah, 0 of 13, 4 of 14 from I'm Kelly. Hot. Those are the guys. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I, I can't match your energy. Please don't make me do that today because I, I just can't do it. And you in can't fact, let Pat Connaughton get an offensive rebound in the fourth quarter. You can't let – Pat. he got an offensive rebound put You know back. about Pat Springs, though? Do you know about Patty Springs? I mean, are you? Are, do you know about his vertical being like top five combine that, number? Fine, that's like fine. That? I don't just care. Saying. I Just don't saying. care. You cannot let Fat Connaughton get. Oh wow! <laughs> no, Whoa. that's. Uh, I'm playing like you Pat Connaughton right Pat now. Pat Connaughton get like. an offensive rebound put back in the fourth. Was it in the fourth quarter? Maybe it was in the third quarter. It was in the third quarter. You were talking over my joke. I don't think you heard it, but I was saying I was playing like Pat Coffitan today. That's what I was playing like. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd love it. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Yeah. Well, what's coming up next? Um, we're going to be talking a little bit more about your notebook. That's what we're going to be doing. And, uh, but that's not before I want to look ahead too. We got to look at, because you know, Clifford mentioned something interesting. He said that they're looking at this stretch of games after they finally got the two days rest. And I believe that was after the Cleveland double overtime loss that they're looking at this 11 game stretch before they go on the big road trip as like an opportunity to try to 
get back into the season, to get off that losing streak and to get back into the season. So I want to look ahead to to the rest of that. Plus, we'll tease a guest that we have coming up on Tuesday, one we have not had in a while. So we'll tease that as well. But of course, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Yeah, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer, the other football, and esports. We've got it all on betonline.net. And if you love sports podcast, <laughs> I hope you love sports podcasts. You're listening to one. You can find those at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. More Locked On Hornets ahead. Is Locked On Hornets. But I have seen him go all That's the way up to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My, I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off and I was trying to silence it. And then I accidentally hit ping the phone. And then the phone pinged, and and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. The look ahead to the Hornets schedule, they do have the Clippers tonight with tip at 6 p.m., by the way. So the Hornets do have another game that they're going to be playing here. After uh, having quite the rest, they'll be playing. They had the back-to-back, Washington, then Milwaukee. They will have another game at home, again, only uh, at 6 p.m. today. So they do have that game against the Clippers on the road against Brooklyn. Then they'll be back at home against New York playing on the road against Philadelphia and then their next one. So the next finishing out their uh, next five game schedule here, they'll be back at home against Detroit on December 14th. What do you make of these five games on the Hornets schedule here, Doug? It should be interesting. LA, they're trying to get some players back as well. Uh, Norman Powell, as of yesterday, was still out. Kawhi Leonard out. Paul George out. Luke Kennard out. So the Clippers have a long injury list as well. Can the Hornets take advantage of it? I mean, they weren't able to take advantage of a gift from the Milwaukee Bucks for rest. Can they take advantage of it against the LA Clippers? We will see uh, tonight, and and I'll be covering it on every HornetsBoxScore.com as well. And then, um, you know, th- this is an important stretch for them because they've got Brooklyn, New York, Philadelphia, Detroit, Atlanta. Atlanta's not playing well either. Uh, are not playing as well, and they've got problems. Apparently, Trey Young and <laughs> the coach there are 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 at odds. So you know that is probably a more winnable game when we get to December 16th. But then after that, there I mean, from December 18th until like the end of January, they are playing most of their games, a vast majority of their games, out on the road. And this road trip that they have starting December 18th is brutal. Denver. Sacramento, the beam team, they are they are hot. They are scorching hot right now. The Clippers, the Lakers, Portland, and the Lakers are playing better. Uh, Portland, Golden State, I mean, all of those, and three of those are on NBA TV. I'm a little scared about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that road trip, You, I don't know that you could have picked a tougher slate of games for the Hornets. Um, so there's no, there's no wonder why they've been looking for opportunities for wins in this 11-game stretch because I think that Clifford recognizes – that you know that that road trip is going to be particularly difficult and i wonder 
you know, they rush guys back. It, it felt like they rushed DSJ back a little bit. They rushed LaMelo back, and then we had some re-injuries, and they've been gone. They they obviously there, – there was a push either by Gordon or by the team to get Gordon back out there with the shoulder injury, and then that turns out it's a fracture, and now he's got to be out for a little – for a lot longer. But I wonder if there's any push, you know, to try to look at – in terms of timeline to get guys back before that road trip – uh, to try to help out this Hornets team because if they don't get any help, Walker, I am, I am frightened yeah. by what the scores are going to be on this road trip. At some point, the tanking monster becomes too big to run away from, and the Charlotte Hornets. If you have that, if you have all those injuries still affecting you, by the time even if you go out west and have those guys return, you're still going to be the underdog in all of them, every single one of those games. I mean, I don't understand how you're going to be able to win a majority enough for you to be able, okay, we feel good about this road trip. It's going to be brutal for the Charlotte Hornets. It's just the name of the game is getting guys back as soon as possible. And when those guys return being as healthy as possible, that'll do it for locked on Hornets today, making us your first listen. We appreciate that. Now make your second listen, uh, check uh, to make your second listen, check out locked on sports today. Goodness gracious. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. We have Rod Boone tomorrow from the Charlotte observer. He joins us to give us his thoughts on the Hornet season thus far. So we appreciate you listening to us once again, have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with Rod Boone tomorrow. 